Thanks for joining us on Our Father's House's weekly podcast, A Place to Find God. Each week we bring you a sermon from our Sunday services where you can be uplifted and grow in Jesus on the go. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to ofhorangeburg.com. We'd love to get to know you. Now let's get to this week's message. Amen, amen, amen. I love the Lord this morning. I really do love the Lord. I just love him because of who he is and what he's done and what he's doing. I bless God for Bishop Ed today. I really thank God for that man of God, that gift that the Lord has given me. Amen. Not only him, but all the people of God, those of you who are in the sanctuary, I really praise the Lord for you all this morning. It's cold here in Orangeburg. It's cold here. But one thing I know that God is still in control. I know we serve a mighty and a great God. Amen. And I praise him. This song is on my heart. How great is our God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. How great is our God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm-hmm. The splendor of a king. Clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice. It trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me. See how great, how great is our God. Oh, my God. 
Jesus, the whole world will see how great, how great is our God. Hallelujah. I really just bless the Lord. This week I've just been marveling at the greatness of the Lord and how good he is and just, just who he is. Has everything been just what I would want it to be this week? No, it hasn't. But one thing I know for certain, God is still God and God is still in control. Amen. I bless the Lord. There's a word that the Lord has put in my heart this morning and, and I really just thank him. I've been met. This has been in my heart all week long, all week long. Bishop preached the message the last two Sundays on hope. And as he was speaking, I believe it was last Sunday. Inside of the message, he, he taught from the scripture in Romans, the fourth chapter. And I want to go back there. He was talking about Abraham, how ho Abraham hoped against hope. How Abraham hoped against hope. And regardless of what it looked like, Abraham still believed God. Amen. I want us to go there this morning. Let's go first of all to Romans, the fourth chapter. And let's start reading at the 17th verse, Romans, the fourth chapter and the 17th verse. And it says this, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and calleth those things, hallelujah, Jesus, calleth those things which be not as though they were, hallelujah. That right there, preach all by itself. He calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. We're still talking about Abraham here in verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And then verse 21 says this, and being fully persuaded, fully persuaded that what he promised, what God had promised him, he was able also to perform it. He was able to perform, God was able or is able still to perform that which he promised. I want us to look at this. This is Paul recounting the story of Abraham. How God had told him so many, many years before, thousands of years before that, uh, hallelujah, Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, how God had told him when he was almost 100 years old, how that he was going to be a father to many nations. He also told him that he was going to be a father to many nations through his wife, who was almost 90 years old. And not only that, but God also told him that his seed was going to be as the sands of the sea. Can you imagine, even in this day, that someone comes to us and they tell us that, okay, you're okay. Let's say, let's say Bishop and myself, 
Bishop and myself, if we came and told you that God said, and I'm, I'm almost 70 and he's already 73. And so if I told you all, we told you all, God said that we're going to have five more children or we're going to have a child. And from that child, this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. I don't, God, please don't say that. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying if we told you all that average one of us would just kind of laugh at us. Every one of you would laugh at us and we would even be laughing because of our age, first of all, because of our age. But I want us to see this morning where the Bible says how Abraham believed what God said and he hoped against hope. He hoped against hope. Hope. There in verse 18, he says, who against hope believed in hope. In other words, what looked hopeless, what looked or seemed impossible, God, Abraham believed just what that God was going to do, just what he said he was going to do, and completely stood on what God was saying. Even when there seemed no hope, he still held onto the hope, knowing that what God said was going to come to pass. Hallelujah, Jesus. Then verse 19 told us that it said that he didn't even look at his own self. It said he didn't even consider himself. He didn't even consider Sarah, but still he didn't stagger. Abraham didn't even blink. At what God said, it said, and, and, to, and I looked up stagger, it says to reel or to be wavy or have an unsteady walk or movement. Abraham didn't blink. The Bible says that he didn't stagger. He, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving God glory. He stood strong in faith, giving God glory. Abraham nor, Abraham nor Sarah understood how it could happen. Even when the angel told Abraham that he was going to have this child, Sarah heard him. She was in the tent listening, and she started laughing. <laughs> how can this thing be? Because I'm this old and Abraham is this old. But now, even though you may not understand or Abraham didn't understand what the, how, what, how this could possibly happen, the Bible goes on to say he was fully persuaded. He was fully persuaded that what God said would come to pass. Being fully persuaded, Myra says, it means to be convinced. It means to be positive, certain, or definite. Abraham was sure. He was convinced that since God spoke it, it would come to pass. He, if we look at the situation in the natural, there was absolutely no way this was going to happen. Sarah, as the Bible said, had passed the flower of her age. And here we're looking at Abraham, who was a, almost 100 years old. And they had been married a long time, and there had been no conception. There had been no pregnancy, but now God waiting until they're this age. Now he's coming and telling them that I'm going to give you a child. You're going to be the father of many nations and your seed is going to be as the sands of the sea. My God, only a God can talk something like that. Only a God would say something like that and then turn around and be able to do what it is that he says he's going to do. Amen. God promised, God's promise gave Abraham hope. It gave him hope in a hopeless situation. The situation was hopeless. So, but Abraham believed, he believed God and he hoped in God against hope in a hopeless situation. And we can look at it this way. Abraham put hope in the promise. And not only in the promise, and he had hope in the promise, but his confidence was in the promise, sir. And it was not in how the situation looked. Abraham had confidence 
in the one who made the promise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. And then we have to stop and look at us. How many of us, and this is us, and I say us because I'm included in this too. How many of us, we, when God has said something, we get to the place where we get a little wavy, wondering whether or not what God said is going to come to pass. How many of us get a little shaky when we start looking at the situation and, 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 and the heat of the situation is too hot or the, it, it's the pressure is turned up or it doesn't look like the outcome is going to be what God, what God said, what we said, and we start saying this, what we said God said then. How many of us do we start staggering? Calvin said it this way. He said, when there is no contest, it is true. No one, as I have said, denies that God can do all things. But as soon as something comes in the way to impede the course of God's promise, we cast down God's power from its eminence. As, so, as long, okay, when God speaks it, let's say he speaks it right here. Let's say what, whatever he may have said to you, whatever. Let's say he said what he said about the church, our father's house. There's some things that God has said, he has spoken, and we know it was him. But when the situation comes and it doesn't look as though situations are going to move or going to work the way it seems, and we can't do the things that we want to do or the things we feel that the Lord has put in our heart, and we have to double up. Bishop, we have to double up. You all, we have to double up. Do we start getting shaky and, and feeling that maybe God didn't say what it is that we feel he said? That we knew, we knew when there was no opposition, we stood firm on what we knew God said. But as soon as opposition comes, do we get wavy? Because Proverbs, the 13th chapter and the 12th verse says this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred. See, we can hope in God. We can believe what he's saying right here. We can even hope against hope. But when it seems like there are obstacles... And, and it's not going to work out the way that God said it was to work. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. The message Bible said it this way. Unrelenting disappointment. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. The message Bible said unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. Disappointment when you see, because when God says something, all too often we put a time on it, we put a time on it and decide this is when it's going to happen and this is how it's going to happen. We say, Okay, okay, God says He's going to do this, so we decide it's going to happen. And there are two things Abraham hoped against hope, he didn't stagger at the promise. But what Abraham did, he did do this. He decided that he was going to help God out. And I've preached it. I know, and I've heard it preached. I've even preached it. But I, as I was studying and meditating on this message, I went to Bishop the other day. I said, baby, I said, the Bible says Abraham didn't stagger. And he was fully persuaded. So it wasn't that he went with Hagar, Hagar was Sarah's maid, and, and, and Sarah gave her to Hagar, gave her to Abraham, saying that maybe this is how God's going to do it. You take her and raise up seed from her. 
No, it wasn't that he didn't believe God because the Bible said he didn't stagger. We can't, we can't get past that. But was it that he was trying to help God out? How many of us, when we don't see things going as quickly or as smoothly as we feel, we stop asking God, how is it that you want to do this? And we move to the place of trying to help God out. Helping God out, helping God out gets us in trouble. Helping God, because if I create a situation, God is not obligated to help me because that wasn't his will. I can create the situation. But just because I create the situation doesn't mean God is not going to put his rubber stamp on it. We've got to do things God's way. I want us to look at something. Isaiah, the 55th chapter and the 11th verse. It says this. This is God talking. So shall my word, and I'm going to read it from the NIV. I'm sorry. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void or empty, but it shall accomplish that which I please or I desire. <clears throat> and it shall prosper in the thing or achieve the purpose for which whereunto I sent it. That's the NIV. The King James Version says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish. And we've heard this before. It shall accomplish, and this is God talking, that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. In other words, Whatever God speaks is going to come to pass. It's going to happen. I remember, and I've said this before, I remember Pastor Alvin Harrison. He preached a message, oh my God, 30, ooh, almost 40 years ago now, I remember. He preached a message, if you can just get God to talk. Because once God speaks something, the word that goes out of his mouth is going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. And then let's, let's look at Hebrews, the sixth chapter, <clears throat> and the 17th verse, and the 18th verse, wherein God, more, will, more willing, more abundantly, to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability. Say that word, immutability. I love that word. The immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. I remember some, uh, might have been last year, the Lord gave me a message that God, it just simply said, God can't lie. And in that message, I taught this. Where it says immutability, when it says that God is immutable, it means that he is unchanging over time and unable to be changed. It's not that he will change. It's not that he can change. He, it is unable for him to change. See, because unchanging does not mean that he can change. It doesn't mean, because it says he's unchanging, when we say God is unchanging, it doesn't mean that he can change, but it simply means that he cannot change at all. Not only does his, and not only can he not change, but his words can't change. And if we look at God's track record, his history proves this to be true. There are things that he has spoken that didn't come to pass for thousands of years. I mean, thousands of years, a hundred. There are things that God has spoken way back, thousands of years ago that we're just seeing coming to pass today. That we're just seeing come. And let me say this while I'm there. God has said, the word of God has said, which is God's voice, has said, Jesus is coming again. All right. 
if we look in that same Bible that says <laughs> that, that even to the day prophesied and spoke of when the nation of Israel would become a nation again after they were away for so many years. It was that accurate. And, and if we look in that same Bible where Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and said, this is that, which was prophesied by the prophet, which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And, and, and on the, in the last days that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters would prophesy. The same thing. Hundreds of years before, I think it was 800 years before, Joel had said, had prophesied that. And here it is, a Peter getting up and saying, this is that. There are things in the Bible to the date. To the, for another example, that the children of Israel were going to go down into Egypt. And they were going to serve. They were going to serve under, under Pharaoh. They, he didn't say Pharaoh, but they were going to be in a strange land. And they were going to serve them. He said, but after 400 years, I'm going to bring them out again. To the date, God did it. And so what makes us think now that when he says that Jesus is coming again, what makes us think that that's not going to happen? The same way we believe God for salvation, we have to remember and believe too, and this is just a sidebar, believe too that Jesus is coming again. We don't talk about it enough. We don't preach it enough. But Jesus is coming. And I heard Bishop Ed say this one time, ready or not, Jesus is coming. Hallelujah, Jesus. God is unchanging. He cannot change. And no, not only can he not change, but his word cannot change. Everything that he said will come to pass. Yes. Again, in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, 18 verse, it says, by these two immutable, immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. The Merriam-Webster de dictionary defines impossible as incapable of being or incapable of occurring. God cannot lie. It's that simple. It cannot happen what he has promised or what he has spoken or once he has promised it and once he has spoken it it will come to pass Abraham didn't stagger at what God has said but we have to stop and look and let me just say one more thing there we have to stop and look at why we stagger, why it is that it, it's, it's the situations of life calls us not to trust God like we did yesterday. Today we might trust him. Today we might trust him. But when life, as I said earlier, turns up, when, 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 when the situations get heavy, then all of a sudden we feel that God is changing his mind. God help us. In Matthew, the fifth chapter and the 18th verse, and I've often thought about this. Hallelujah, Jesus. You all help me here. Help me here. Matthew, the fifth chapter and the 18th verse. It says this, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle shall in no ways, thank you, pass from the law till it be fulfilled. And this is just to show you how, how true God's word is. You know, I looked that up, Bishop, and I said, what's a jot? I always just read it. What's a, what's a tittle? And then it said a jot is more generally meant to be a tiny amount. But then it says a tittle is even smaller than that. It's like the dot over the letter I. Not the dot over the letter I will pass away from the word of God. That's how sure the word of God is. Whatever God speaks, that's how sure it is. Not a dot of it won't come to pass. If God spoke it, we can hang our head on. 
doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter how it feels. It doesn't matter what, what's going on. It doesn't matter how COVID is raging. What God has saying has said will come to pass. Hallelujah, Jesus. But the question, this brings me to my subject. What do, what to do while we wait? What to do while you wait? You see, because waiting is not just sitting and twirling my fingers. Or, oh God, is it going to happen? That's not waiting. That's being anxious. That's worrying. I remember the Lord told me something one time. He said it, and this has been years ago, but I, it, I, I have never forgotten it. He said, Carlene, see, because when he talks to me, he doesn't call me pastor. He doesn't say pastor Carlene. He called me by my name. And sometimes he don't call my name. I just have to know, I know his voice. He says, if you're worrying, you're not trusting. And if you're trusting, you're not worrying. And it's impossible to do both at the same time. If you're worrying, you're not trusting. And if you're trusting, you're not worrying. And it's impossible to do both at the same time. God help us. So what do we do while we wait? What do we do to hope against hope? What do we do so that we don't stagger at the promises of God? What did the Bible say that Abraham did? He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith giving God glory. Even though it didn't look like it, even though it didn't seem like it, he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving God glory. But now what does it mean to give God glory? To mean to give God glory, to glorify God means to recognize God for who he really is. To acknowledge his greatness. Mm. To give him honor by praising and worshiping him. What God wants us to do is regardless of how the situations look, Let's always realize that he is in control. He And he spoke that to this church. He spoke it to us. Does it matter how situations look? We have to always acknowledge his greatness. Always giving him honor. Always praising him and always worshiping him. But then how do we give God glory? Just as Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit was able to glorify God, we can bring the same honor and glory to God when we through the power of the same Holy Spirit do those things that pleases the Father. The set I have to say it this way. And, and, and I, I, I guess I just love to say I love this. When I hear that it's the same Holy Spirit that's in us, those of us who are born again, the same Holy Spirit is in us that's in, that was in Jesus. There are no two Holy Ghosts or two Holy Spirits. The same Spirit you know, the Bible says, it says this. It said when Jesus died, his spirit went back to the father who gave it. Okay. But remember, Jesus said, 
<laughs> thank you, Holy Ghost. If I don't go in John 16, he said, it's expedient for you that I go away. He said, because if I don't go, then the comforter who is the Holy Ghost can come. So he had to go when Jesus died. The Holy Spirit went back to the Father, and then the Father sent him again. And so when he came, now he's living in us. Again, now he's God in us. He was there to help Jesus, to strengthen that flesh of Jesus, to always do those things that please the Father. And he's in us to always do those, help us to always do those things that pleases the Father. Dr. R.C. Sproul said this. He said, when the son is exalted and honored, the father is exalted and honored as well. Because the father and the son are one. And now he's given us the Holy Spirit on the inside that we can exalt Jesus. Who And, and as, we exalt, as we exalt Jesus, we're exalting the father. As we're glorifying Jesus, as we do those things that Jesus taught. Let me say this. The apostles' doctrine was no more than an extension or an explanation of the things that God taught. The apostles in, 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 in the epistles, in the, the Romans and Corinthians, and all the epistles that Paul wrote and Peter and James and John, all of them, those are no more than an explanation of what Jesus had taught when he was here. So even though we walk in the apostles' doctrine, we're still doing those things that Jesus said. So if we do, they only taught us how to. They were teaching us how to. They, they explained more. They took more time. Because remember, the Bible says this. It said that if everything that, was, that Jesus did was written, the books wouldn't have been able to contain them. So now we have the apostles' doctrine to show us and to how, how that we can still further Glorify the Father. Right. So in the midst of our trial, what do we do? How do we glorify God? How is it that we glorify God? First of all, we glorify him through obedience through the word. Jesus said this. He said, I always do those things that pleases the Father. He said, I always, I only do those, I only say those things I hear the Father say. And I only do those things I hear the father, that I see the Father do. So now, how do we, how do we now obey? How do we rather glorify God? If we, first of all, we have to know the word in order to do the word. I can, I do not know how to wire a house. I cannot do electrical work because I don't know. I know how to screw a light bulb in. I may be able to put a socket in, just like the light socket come and put in, you know, turn turn all of the electricity off in the house. My husband's shaking his head and said, you're not going to do that. But but I might be able to do that. I've seen my father do a couple of things. I've seen my husband do a couple of things. So I might be able to do that. But if you go any further than that, other than plugging an appliance into the wall, that's me. That's me. So I cannot do electrical work because I've never really known how to do it. I was never taught how to do it. I never sat down and I studied that. That's not where I am. That's not in my wheelhouse. But if, if there are things that we have learned, we're able to do it. Our, 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 our brother Jimmy, Elder Jimmy, the elder statesman of this house, he knows about photography. He knows about printing. He knows more about it than I know. But that's because that's what he, he's done that for years. He studied it. He, he knows about it. But I know some things about photography. I know something about graphic design. But some things I don't know because I've never really studied it. I'm learning some things and I do enjoy learning it. But I can't say I'm a graphic designer because I have not been trained in that. So it is with us and the word. If we don't take time to learn the word, if we don't read the word and study the word, we won't be able to do it because we don't know what we're doing because we haven't taken the time to read the word and or we won't be we won't be obedient to the word because we don't know what we're supposed to be obeying. We don't even know anything about the word because we haven't taken time to obey the word. So this is what it is. If I want to glorify God, first of all, I must learn the word. Yes. I've got to learn. Jesus is the word made flesh. So now 
I've got to learn what it is that he has to say. The Holy Spirit will teach us those things that Jesus taught. If we open that, sometimes we may say, I don't, well, I don't really understand. Holy Spirit, then ask him, Holy Spirit, what is this? Say? Because it's the desire of the Father. It's the desire of the Father for us to understand the word. But if we don't take time to get in the word, we will never really know the heart and mind of the Father. Hallelujah, Jesus. My time is going. But we also glorify God by rehearsing his attributes. By rehearsing how great and how wonderful he is. Have you ever been down and you start just singing a song like we sang this morning, How Great Is Our God? Have you ever felt down and out and you just, you just start praising God and worshiping him and all of a sudden situation hasn't changed? Situation hasn't changed, but you changed? The way you look at it, you feel, you just feel better by, or you may have gotten down in prayer and, and rather than giving him the gimme list that we, we too often are, give, are guilty of, rather than reciting the gimme list, we take time just to bless him, how to exalt him for his greatness, for his goodness, for his mercy. Oh my God, because his mercy endures forever. The word also tells us to make known his deeds among the people. When is the last time we really just told somebody how good God is? Oh God, have mercy, Jesus. We find that we do we find ourselves in godly conversations, testifying with others how good God has been to us, sharing his goodness with us, with others, and sharing his greatness. How great is our God? I, I, periodically, there, there's some of especially on, on our, our um, media team, they, they periodically, they'll send me a song. They'll just send me a song with, which tells me they've been listening to it and it's been ministering to them. And then they'll send it to me and I listen, ooh, this is a good one right here. And it'd be something that just stick in my spirit all week long. Or, you know, that sharing the goodness of God, that sharing the greatness. Of, people need to know who God is and how great our God is. And when we share and let others come to know him and start looking at him in a different light, that gives him glory. When we remind ourselves of who he is, remind yourself in the midst of situations, while you're waiting on the promise, Remind yourself of God's greatness, his faithfulness. Tell yourself how about his love, oh God. And you know, the more you think on him, the more you'll praise him. The more you praise him, the more you want to praise him. He'll strengthen you, how he strengthened you in the times when you were weak. How you were down and out, how great is our God. And you'll find yourself, you'll find yourself, you, the, the weight won't seem so long. You start reminding yourselves and start remind, let's remind ourselves of what he's already done. Hallelujah. Let's remind ourselves of his track record in our lives, not just in the Bible. We can see his track record in the Bible, but what has he done in your life? What has he done in my life? And the more we do, the more we think on the goodness of God, the more we begin to bless him, we bless him. What if the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. All times even means while we waiting. When it doesn't look like what is, what's happening. When it doesn't look like it's going to happen. When, <laughs> when you're 100 years old, when almost, when God telling you what he's going to do. And then you, you stand firm. Knowing God is God to do just what he says he's going to do. Time did not make Abraham waver. Time didn't make Abraham waver. But he stood firm, knowing if it had taken another hundred years. And no, 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 let me say that. Let me, let me, let me back off of that a bit. Because the Bible said this. The angel of the Lord told him, he said, next year this time, that's what he said. He said, next year this time, he said, it's going to happen. 
So it didn't mean, it didn't, it had to happen. Conception had to happen at least nine months prior to the date that he told him. So nine months later, well, a year later, there was a baby there. Why? Because God had spoken. With the Holy Spirit on the inside, he has given us everything we need to glorify God. Everything. He gives us the tool. He strengthens us with might in the inner man. He, he's the, the word is told us we can cast our cares upon the Lord. He cares all about us. He promised us when we're weak, he'll strengthen us. Everything we need. He's given us, he's, the word tells us he's given us everything that pertains to life and right and godliness. So we can't help if, 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 if we allow him to do what he's on the inside to do. I really want to encourage us this morning. I really, really, really want us to want to encourage you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm. The psalmist said this, I would have fainted. Bishop said this last week. In Psalm, the 27th chapter, it said, I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Sometimes situations look glim. It, it, it really looks gloomy. But as long as we hope, our hope is in God and we're glorifying God. We can't lose because God will do every single thing that he says. Speak to your own self. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Psalm 42, in, in Psalm 42, he, uh, the psalmist said this. He said it twice in the same chapter. In 42 and 5, he said, why art thou cast down, O my soul? This is the psalmist speaking to his own self. He says, hope thou in God. He also said, first he said, before he said hope, he said, and why are thou disquieted within me? Why are, you, why are you so disturbed? Why are you so disturbed? Why are we so disturbed about what's going on around us? Is everything, no, everything. What the doctor said is what he said, but our hope and our confidence is in God. He said this, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of my continence. Regardless of what it looks like, regardless of how it feels, regardless of what we're going through, hope in God. Bishop talked about Job too. He said this, well, I, I'm, and I'm going to just paraphrase it because I'm just going to, I'm not going to re-preach his message. Job 13 and 15, Job said this. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. This was after Job's body was sick. His friends accused him. He said, you must have sinned somewhere because certainly God is punishing you. And then his wife turned around telling him, curse God and die. His children were all killed. Hallelujah. His money was gone. His cattle was gone. All, everything he had was gone. Everything Job had was gone. But then Job's response was what? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Job 14 and 14, if a man dies, shall he live again? And then this is what he says, and this is where we have to camp right here. 
all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. It doesn't matter if your body is sick. Doesn't matter what the friends may be saying. Doesn't matter what the doctor's saying. Doesn't matter how it looks. If God has put a time stamp on it, it's going to come to pass in your lifetime. So I want us to wait right there with us. Let's glorify God while we're waiting. It may not look like it's going to happen, but just as sure as God has spoken, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. Not as much of the dot over the eye of God's word will fail. Once he's spoken it, it will come to pass. We know that you were blessed by today's message. We have to not only be listeners of the word of God, but also doers. To find out what your next steps may be, simply go to ofhorangeburg.com forward slash next. Come again next week where we will make sure you have a place to find God.